what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Exchange, a monthly conversation about startups and small business with ideas, tools, and advice to operate your business more effectively. On today's show, things that local government can do to support entrepreneurship and things they should not do. We're going to talk about starting a new business with Tanya Wade, who's with the Carolina Textile District, and we'll wind up with our Small Business of the Month feature, where we'll highlight some businesses that we've come across in our travels that you should be checking out. My name is Jeff Newville. I'm your co-host and director of the Small Business Center at Catawba Valley Community College in Hickory, North Carolina. I'm joined by my co-host, Gary Muller, who is Dean of the School of Business, Industry, and Technology at Catawba Valley Community College. How are you doing, Gary? Doing great, Jeff. It's been a good spring. Busy spring, but a good spring. Now, I know that, uh, that uh, you work very closely with uh, the Community College's Skills USA program, and I think since last time we met, they went off and, and had their competition. Yes, we had a great competition, a state competition in Greensboro this year, and uh, we were very fortunate because of the hard work of our students and the advisors to win 15 state championships. Well, congratulations. And thank you, and we're very proud that uh, we won the, uh, the college and high school entrepreneurship contest. So we're preparing them as we speak, as you know, because I've been looking for help uh, for the nationals, and it'll be in Louisville in about four weeks. So, uh, so we've got folks going out to beautiful Louisville, Kentucky in yes. June. I think it's going to be hot there. I guess it's hot pretty much anywhere in June. Now. It's hot, hot mm-hmm. Louisville, and, and uh, you know, you'll have the executive buses going out. Is that we will. It, yeah. We'll have that uh, one-day bus ride to get there and one day to get back. It's yeah. the things that we do in community college yeah, yeah. to make it work. That's great. You know, I, you, you, you know, we're not doing the charter jet yet. No, not quite. You know, budgets are tight. Budget tight. We're trying to get engineering and architecture to design a plane, but we haven't made it that far. Yet. All right. Well, we'll keep us posted on this. I'll do it. I was uh, going through, uh, every now and then I go out to the, uh, the Kauffman Foundation website and uh, came across something that I thought would be interesting for us to chat a little bit about. Uh, uh, they have suggested guidelines for state government to promote, on state and local government to promote, promote entrepreneurship. Kauffman Foundation, uh, uh, located in Kansas City, probably the largest uh, foundation that's devoted to supporting entrepreneurship in the world, certainly in the United States. And um, there there were some interesting things uh, that they suggest that local government, state government uh, be doing. Uh, A couple of things that they said that government should not be doing, which I found interesting, was uh, avoiding getting involved in venture funds. And they talk about the fact that uh, professionals that are involved in uh, venture funds miss on around 80% of their investments with startups. So so why do we think the government would be any better? Do you think they would be? That's a loaded question. That's not that loaded. <laughs> First off, we've done a lot of projects with Kauffman, so we have a very high regard for that. I would The, the success rate on venture capital uh, projects is certainly not the highest, but I'm not sure I would say that government would be that much less successful. You, you think they could product. beat a, a 20% average? You think, that, uh, you know, they could probably shoot for that goal. You think our, okay. my pet monkey could maybe do that? I well. didn't say that. Okay. <laughs> it's possible. So you are saying that government's like full of pet monkeys? Is that what you said? I'm saying they could probably be as successful as it really comes down to the people. 
In every organization, or right? The, or the monkeys. Or the monkeys. Okay. <laughs> Moving along. They also uh, suggest that the government avoid traditional incubators, which I thought was interesting in that, that, you know, I think that's sort of the knee-jerk reaction of if you want to support entrepreneurship, what should you do? Go create an incubator. Yeah. But they say that that's, that's probably not the, the best way that government monies can be used to, to support entrepreneurs. Well, again, I think it looks at each situation and deciding whether there's a need for it in that area or not. Just saying, okay, that's what we should do because we have a little extra money is certainly not going to be the way I would go. But there are opportunities where it would be successful, and some places it may be overload or overkill. So you're, you're going you're gonna to ride the middle on that one? I'm pretty much a politician. Okay, I'm going to say, what office are you running for this month? <laughs> right. I don't know. Uh, things that they suggest that you should do, they talk about focus on facilitating catalytic Events. I thought that catalytic was an interesting word. Yeah. Catalytic events, events that bring entrepreneurs together for a reason. And, and one of the examples they had was Startup Weekend, or where uh, sometimes there are competitions mm-hmm. where entrepreneurs will come together, form teams over a, the course of a weekend to put together right. business ideas and pitch them and uh, have the chance to start businesses, win prizes, whatnot. So uh, catalytic events. That, it really, it really uh, differentiates between just networking type events and events that have more of a purpose behind them. I was going to say you just used the word I would have said. I think any event that's got a purpose to it as opposed to just networking, I mean, we see that a lot of times where we just get people talking and it's fine, but it really doesn't take it anywhere. But if there's a defined purpose like uh, you know, a Kickstarter type event or a startup type or a Shark Tank, whatever type of thing on a weekend or couple days, I think, would be successful, or has been successful. And I think people are always so time-crunched that, uh, you know, uh, the occasional networking function is fine, but uh, at some point, if it's just getting to chat with the people that I chatted with last time, I'm not sure I have the time to participate. You give me a reason to come, I'm more likely to do it. Exactly. So a couple of other things they say that government should focus on. Uh, identifying and celebrating successful local entrepreneurs. Give folks a reason to set up in your area and, and recognize them when they're successful. Talks a lot about revisiting regulations, uh, such as reexamining professional and occupational licensing requirements. Did you know that we were here in the state of North Carolina that if you are a if your profession is photographer, you're supposed to get a state license to be a photographer? I did not know that. Well, there's a whole list of things that uh, from from a occupational level that you're supposed to get a state license for, and some of them make sense uh, to me, not, uh, not such as cosmetology or, or, or right, certain things. For sure. But you know, I, I sort of scratch my head a little bit when someone says they're a photographer and that requires a state license. That they're a certified photographer? Uh, a, a state licensed state photographer, license. at least. I don't know. Um, uh, other ways, uh, other regulations, simplifying tax codes and payment systems, streamlining zoning approval processes and offering clear guidelines. And the last one it said I thought was interesting, welcoming immigrants in that uh, uh, research shows that immigrants have been nearly twice as likely as native-born Americans to start businesses. That's interesting. It is interesting. Of course, if you think about it and practice it, it probably makes some sense. Yeah. So anyway. And I do agree with the comment you made a few minutes ago about celebrating the successes. I think that's important so that people get that positive reinforcement for the people who did it and then also for the people that are thinking about it that there are success stories out there and that they wouldn't be the lone wolf in trying to be successful. 
Well, if you are interested in looking at that report, you go out to the Kauffman Foundation website. Uh, I think it's www.kauffman.org, but if you Google Kauffman Foundation, you will find it. And the name of the study, it's really more of a, uh, a recommendation, it's Guidelines for Local and State Governments to Promote Entrepreneurship. If you're an entrepreneur and want to find some ways to encourage your local government to uh, be more entrepreneur-friendly, be good for them to reading. If you're with state or local government, you should be reading it. So anyway, some good information there. So we've got a guest with us today. Excited. We're going to welcome our guest. Uh, We've got Tanya Wade, who is a project specialist with the Carolina Textile District. Uh, The Carolina Textile District works with manufacturers, works with people that are interested in starting businesses and tries to match them together. I'm, I'm doing something with my hands right now to explain this. It's probably not that good on podcasts. But anyway, Tanya, welcome. Thanks for joining us here on the Entrepreneur Exchange. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Well, we're glad you're with us. So, Tanya, you've been with the Carolina Textile District. Well, how long is the Carolina? Tell us what the Carolina Textile <laughs> District is and how long it's been around and, and how it got started. Well, the The district is a value chain network of textile-related manufacturers, things like your fabric mills, designers, pattern makers, production companies, printers, and we bring those companies together to meet the increasing demand for U.S. textile production. So the district was founded, formed in 2013 by three different companies. Burke Development Incorporated is one, which is an economic development organization. Opportunity Threads is a worker-owned cut-and-sew facility and Manufacturing Solutions Center, which is also a part of Catawba Valley Community College, which is uh, one of the leading textile testing and prototyping facilities. Mm -hmm. So those three came together in 2013 to create the district because they were seeing a lot of the same thing. So Dan at MSC would be on the phone with somebody for you know, an hour or two discussing a product they wanted to have produced in the U.S. And then the next day that person would be on the phone with Molly at Opportunity Threads for two or three hours. And then the next day they would be on the phone with Sarah. So they finally realized they needed to find a way to bring an organization to help these people get their products made in the U.S., Mm -hmm. but also at the same time organize it so that it wasn't as time-consuming. And that's when they created the textile district, and they hired me to be the client intake administrator. Actually, it was two years ago this month that I had started. And since then, we've just continued to grow a lot quicker than we actually initially anticipated. Um, But it's been great. So, and, and, you know, the name of the organization is the Carolina Textile District, but I get the sense in what reading I've done that you work with, you don't have to be in North Carolina or South Carolina to, to necessarily benefit from the work that the Carolina textile district does. Are there, are there geographic limitations or do you work with people throughout the United States or you, yeah. any, any limitations you put on that? No, we, we've actually had people come to the district from Bahamas, Australia. I mean, we just, we help anybody. The, the only limitations we have is that we don't outsource. So everything we do is in the U.S. So if we send somebody to a fabric manufacturer, then it's a U.S.-based company. If we send somebody to a printer or production partner, 
all those companies are in the U.S. So when, when you say you don't outsource, you, you kind of outsource, but you just do it to domestic manufacturers. You're not going to outsource anybody overseas. overseas. Exactly. Yeah, it's not like the, you're sitting around doing all the work. You're really connecting the manufacturers. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like a matchmaker. You're a matchmaker. And that's what I tell people. The easiest nice way to explain it, I'm a matchmaker. So um, when yeah. they come through the district, they kind of, we look at the needs that they have. We look at their product. We look at time frames, price points, quantities, because all that's going to play a part in whether or not we can connect them with one of our partners. And once we look at that, then we just share the information, and one of the partners will let us know if they're interested, if that's something that they're capable and interested in producing. If we don't have a partner fit for the the product, then at that point, we at least try to refer them to another company that's in the U.S. So we do referrals as well. Um, We don't have partner fits for every product. So, again, we have that referral system where at least they can still hopefully get it made in the U.S. instead of going overseas. So, so, and you, you know, when people talk about textiles, that sort of can be a a very broad category, uh, you know, in terms of the types of products that that you've seen, that you've had to work with, or you've you've had the opportunity to work with. You know, what, what sort of products do you work with, or what time the, the types of manufacturers that you work with? What do you guys make? Well, as far as products, it's pretty much anything that can be sewn together. So we've we've worked with everything from blankets to apparel to dog booties, like little <laughs> shoes. Um, I know Opportunity Threads is one of the production companies for a, actually a cat harness. You know, I'm not sure that there's a lot of people in our area that put their cat on a leash and walk it, but somewhere there are. And um, that's a company called Crazy K Farms. And they have a lot of crazy... I would say that's A lot crazy. of crazy products. But, I mean, they have chicken diapers. I mean, <laughs> well, chickens can but, be messy, um, you know, especially when they're indoors. Yeah, There's a product that yeah. we don't know about. Exactly. And, and, but, again, it's anything that's sewn, that needs to be sewn together is what our connections are for. So as far as the manufacturers that we have that we are partnered with, it's... It can be anybody from, you know, again, production partners to printing partners, pattern makers, designers, labels. So those are the type of manufacturers. But anything um, that needs to be cut and sewn together is what we can help connect with. So, so people come to you with a product idea or a product design, but they don't know how to get it made, and you're matching them with, with manufacturers that can assist them get it into production and uh, I mean, do you, do you do production? Do you do product development or a little bit of both? Well, we actually help from beginning to end in some cases. Um, again, it's going to depend on the product. So we have designers that if somebody comes to us and they have a sketch of a shirt or, you know, something that they want to have produced and it's just an idea at that point, we can connect them with a the designer and that's going to be the first step. They're going to get that idea from paper to a prototype. Mm-hmm. And then from there, they'll go to the production company to get an actual sample made and then look at going into production. All right. Very good. So 
you, know, you, you talk that you've only been in business for a couple of years. Uh, you or the, the textile district has only been around for uh, a couple of years, but you've been growing pretty quickly. You know, how, how big a need do you see out there? I mean, is this you know, how many folks are you working with these days? How far, how big is your reach? Well, we started, like I said, this month was two years ago that I came aboard. And in those two years, we, as of today, we've had 761 surveys come through the district. Um, so it's, again, it's one of those things we get. Some days we'll get two. Some days we'll get six surveys come through. Mm-hmm. And it's a variety of things. How do you handle those surveys? That's 700. That's a lot. That is a lot. <laughs> um They've actually hired me someone to help part-time with the client intake part of it. So I focus mainly on projects now. I still do a lot of the beginning areas of the, like the screening calls. Um, but Shauna Castillo, and she's also the hosiery intake for MSC, she helps me with the intake side on the district now as well. So it is. It's a lot. It's um, trying to, to figure out what their needs are and determine if what they have in the survey is exactly what they were thinking because, you know, sometimes somebody writes something down and it's a guess. You know, a lot of people come to us and they're guessing on price points. So Mm -hmm. when we make that contact with them to confirm, you know, exactly what they want, make sure we're both on the same page, and then we just go from there and try to go down the list and find we start with the best fit and then go down the list and try to find the, the best fit for their product. So, so you, you mentioned the, the survey process. If somebody wants to work with the Carolina district, uh, the textile district, is that the initial, you know, we're talking, I guess, intake at this point in time. They complete a survey, and that gives you the information that you need to figure out the next steps to proceed? Yeah. If you go to the website, carolinatextiledistrict.com, there's a video on there that kind of gives an idea about why the district was created. And there's a, a area on there that's the intake survey. It's typically a little yellow button that says get started, and I think it's on every page. There's also um, a lot of other information on our website that's beneficial for people to, to look over that tells a lot about how we work with clients. So there's an FAQ page that kind of explains some of the things, like you know the clients are going to be responsible for providing all the materials to the production companies. Um, there will be fees to create samples and and so forth. And then there's also a programs page that tells a little bit about the different programs that we offer. I was worried when she said FAQ. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Jeff said be myself today, but he also said, <laughs> he also said don't get kicked out. So... <laughs> I'm, I'm betting that stands for frequently frequently asked questions. There you go. That's what I was going for. And all right, so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just guessing on that one. So, so, do you work with startup businesses as well as existing businesses, or you know, do they come into the district as well? Yeah, we actually work with everyone from entrepreneurs to startup companies to existing businesses, and then as well as ones that are reshoring. You know, they're currently having product made overseas, and they want to bring that back to the U.S. And um, I think a lot of the reshoring companies have dealt with, you know, you've got the communication barrier and what they send. Sometimes the products they send to be made aren't exactly what they ordered, mm-hmm. and now they've got 10,000 of them in their <laughs> living room, and, and they're stuck with those. And we've had companies contact us where they've got thousands of units they can't send it back 
and it's got to be fixed. So then we find companies to repair uh-huh. or, you know, fix whatever the issue is. Um, and then you've also got, you know, the fact of the lead times, you know, things shipping over in containers and getting held up in customs, and that's that can be an issue for people as well, meeting orders, it's especially whole industry large. trying to fix the issues that come across the sea. Exactly. Well, it just seems like there, there are more uh, opportunities for domestic manufacturers these days who have more flexibility, can make shorter production runs, quicker turnarounds, uh, shorter lead times. So, you know, there, there is some uh, competitive advantage in the right situations. I mean, Absolutely. I, you know, if you want to make the same widget over and over and over again, you know, doing that overseas uh, might make sense for you. But if you uh, have something that uh, you, you, you want to be sensitive to the amount of production that you're doing, if you're concerned about how quickly you can turn it around, domestic manufacturing is a great opportunity for you. As well as, I mean, quality is another thing. You know, there's a certain percentage of products that are made overseas that we see stuff come in all the time and it may be cut wrong or it may have ink marks on it or, you know, printing in different areas. And, again, that's something here being, having your production in the U.S., you can visit. Your Much easier to go track yeah. down a quality problem in the United States mm-hmm. than in China. And the production companies that we work with, our partners are very open to clients visiting and having, you know, input and, and being involved with their product being produced versus, you know, we're going to put it in a box, ship it yeah. to you, and we don't want to hear from you. That's right. <laughs> well, you're, you're talking about some of the quality issues that, that uh, you see overseas, which you know, certainly can happen here as well, though it's probably much easier yeah. to resolve. But uh, as far as the folks that you work with uh, coming, coming to your doors looking for manufacturing, what sort of advice do you have for them to make the process work smoothly? What sort of mistakes do you often see them making as they're, as they're going into the production cycle? I think one of the biggest things that we really preach to entrepreneurs is that they contact Jeff Newville. <laughs> Good answer. Please don't tell them that. No, but we do. We tell people um, one of the biggest foundations you need for a successful business is going to be that business development plan sitting down and working out your marketing strategy and figuring out cost doing your research on your competitors you know we have people that come to us and that's one of the questions on the survey did you research your competition you need to figure out what you're up against price points quality everything Um, so i think that's a big thing too is, is make sure that they have that research, make sure that they work with somebody to develop a business plan, whether it's their local small business center or a, a company that they hire outside of that. The other thing is, you know, the companies that especially are reshoring, it's important that they understand that domestic production is going to cost more than overseas production. Unfortunately, it's going to be that way, and, you know, we don't run sweatshops in the U.S., we pay our employees. You, the, the person that works for me might disagree, but go ahead. <laughs> Deb, yes, she may. But, um, yeah, we, we pay our employees a higher wage Please. than overseas does. So that's something that they need to understand. But they also need to understand, as we've talked about, the quality and the exactly. shipping. And 
you have to look at the total cost and the total exactly. amount of issues that you have to deal with because if you're just looking at the unit cost, you can make yourself a big mistake. You can because a lot of people that we talk to realize that once they pay, you know, once they have all the seconds that they can't sell mm-hmm. and that they can't return, once they pay for the port fees and the shipping and containers and all of that, then, yeah, a lot of times it comes up costing the same or even more than what you can have it produced here for. But um, I think that's important that that's a good point that people do realize that. And I think some of the other things is just being involved with their project. You know, a lot of people, they have this idea, they want to turn it over to somebody else and make money and just walk away and let somebody else do the work. And and, and it's not like that. It doesn't work that way. It does not. So I think it's good. They need to understand that, that it's going to take dedication. It's going to take hard work. It's not going to happen overnight. You know, you, you can't come and with needing sourcing patterns and pro- the prototypes and samples and expect to have production next week because everything's going to take time, but it is possible. You know, it can be done. We see it happening all the time with our clients. I, you know, I, I like to use the example of, uh, of baseball and that, you know, there are a lot of, you know, you got X, X number of major leaguers there, but the majority of them spend some time in the minor leagues. Some of them yeah. spent three, four or five years in the minor leagues until they got to the major leagues. And, and you know, often people come into to my small business center, probably uh, to your place, Tanya, with the expectation of, I've got a great idea. I want to start selling it next month. Yes. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, you got to put a little time in, uh, a little seasoning down the right. minor leagues Due before, before uh, yes. you make it to the, to the big leagues. Exactly. So. And that's another thing. Yeah, definitely. We've actually had um, on several occasions clients that have their product in mind and they've done their research but they don't have a production company and they don't have materials and they're looking at promising dates to to customers. So I think one of the other things is make sure as an entrepreneur, you have your value chain in place before you're promising dates, because, you know, once you don't deliver that first time, that's pretty much you get one shot at making a really good impression that first time. Hi, Alan and Chris here with an exciting announcement about something coming to the Western North Carolina area later this year. It's the first ever Foot Candle Film Festival. That's right, an honest to goodness film festival that's happening September 25th through the 27th at the Salt Block in Hickory, North Carolina. Films are being submitted from all over the world to be considered. Do you or someone you know have a film that you'd like to submit? Visit footcandle.org and follow the link to the festival for instructions. Stay tuned later in the year as we announce our choices and start selling tickets. Visit footcandle.org for more information. We'll see you in September. We talked a lot about what you do. Do you have some some examples of some companies that uh, you've worked with that uh, you can share with us? Yeah. Actually, two of our first clients that came through the district, um, one of them was two sisters, Marianne and Linda, and they recognized a specific issue that many women have today. Um, Some men may not be happy that they've recognized and solved this issue, but basically... This is, have, this is a PG-13 podcast. Right? Yes. Proceed carefully. Um, so they have produced a camisole that is called Tucktails. So it's longer in the back. So, you know, a lot of your jeans today are low-rise. Mm-hmm. And a lot of your shirts aren't as long as your jeans. 
Um, so even sitting at a baseball game or anything, you, your your back is exposed. <laughs> you know. Um, I thought they did that by design. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, on purpose. Some of them probably do, but there are those of us that still want to uh, to cover those areas. So. <laughs> Um, Tucktails was, again, one of the first companies that came through. She had her drawing on a napkin. She knew what she wanted. Um, she had done research on her competition. She, and, and she was dedicated. It's, you know, she understood that it took a while, but she was positive throughout the whole process. And just recently, she was featured in O Magazine. Oh, so she, she's in production now, and, and yes. uh, she's out there selling tucktails. Tucktails. Okay. Yeah. On TV show. No, that's ducktails. Yeah, I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, that was ducktails, Gary. Okay. Um, but yeah, so you can. Her website is tucktails.com. And then the other, one of the other clients that was one of the first to come through the district is um, a lady named Donna Brynn, who had created a toy it's a, a bop toy you know the little bop toys you used to have that you blow up and you'd punch mm-hmm. them and they'd bounce back up so she has a company called puri elemental puri elemental and um she took that bop toy and she has been on several talk shows she's been in numerous magazines um back in 2013 the holidays edition of people People magazine had actually um, voted her as one of the top 50 USA made gifts for the 2013 Mm. holiday season. And then just recently she was picked up by Walmart. So now she's got, she's selling those on Walmart's website. And you know, one of the things that these two women have in common is that they're both very dedicated, very driven. They wanted their product made in the U S they understood you know, that it was going to take a little bit of time to get there. But the other thing is they're an absolute pleasure to work with, and that is a big thing. <laughs> so and you're, you're picky like that, are you? Yeah, yeah, we're picky like that. So basically one of the other things that will help entrepreneurs is your understanding that the people making your product, it's not a production line, it's not a, a machine, it's not a number, it's a person. And if you can have a mutual respect and relationship with your production company that's positive, that's going to get you a lot further with a lot less stress. I mean, your production company can really, um, really help you out and make a difference. But again, they're people, and that's they need to be treated like you people treat instead people. of. Appropriately yeah, and respectfully. Exactly. And that can be a great relationship. And, you know, earlier when you were talking about some of the things that maybe entrepreneurs may do that um, something that maybe they shouldn't do, um, some of the errors that they've done is we have a lot of manufacturers that are getting phone calls on a daily basis from entrepreneurs that have no idea. You know, they haven't done their research. They haven't done their due diligence. They don't know anything about what it takes to get a product made. And unfortunately, manufacturers don't have time to spend an hour on the phone with everybody that calls them explaining this is the process. Basically, the manufacturers, the production companies themselves, what they want is the pattern and the product ready to go, the prototype complete, and then they go into production. So they don't really handle the design and the patterns and all that side. Well, and I think I think a key word there is relationship, and that yes. uh, you know, particularly if you're a startup, uh, 
you know, the, the manufacturers, really, you know, most manufacturers don't make a lot of money doing individual samples or prototypes for people. They, they want some uh, belief that if this is successful, there's going to be serious production behind it that's going to be ongoing business for them. So if you, don't, if you haven't done your homework, uh, you, know, you, you can get some doors closed in your face pretty quickly. Yeah, and there's yeah. actually companies out there that have manufacturers that have said if a a customer or client does not have a written business development plan, we will not work with them. Hmm. And it's it's like you said, it takes for somebody to sit down and do a sample. It takes time. Oh, it's yes. not like they're making money on this. We do charge. They do charge for samples. But at the same time, this is something where the more you do it, you get better at it. You find ways to um, make it more efficient, cost efficient, as well as work better. But that takes a while. You know, that's doing it. So, yeah, they, they don't want to do just samples. They want clients that look promising, that they know are dedicated and will work to make, you know, to market their product and to make it successful. Super. So, you, uh, Tanya, you've, you've given us a great deal of information, particularly for uh, businesses, entrepreneurs that uh, have an interest in apparel, cut-and-sew, textile-type projects. If people want to learn more about the Carolina Textile District, where's, again, what's their website again? It's carolinatextiledistrict.com. And can they work with you online, or do they have to they have to come sit down in your office, or you know, can they do most of the work uh, electronically? Yeah, well, actually, the we tell everybody the first step is the survey. Um, so we have it. We welcome visitors all the time. Mm-hmm. We do ask that they complete the survey first, so that your visit is you know the time that we have is the best use so we'll already know what the product is we'll already have some form of idea of if we have a partner Mm -hmm. what types of support you need so yeah the survey that's online would be the first step we also have there's an email listed on there that comes to my email it's getitmade.com and my email address is tanya at carolina textile district.com and that's tanya t-a-n-y-a t-a-n-y-a according to my father that's how you spell tanya and i do not argue with him so do we respond to every survey we do we do we even like i said we there's cases that we don't have a production partner we at least try to refer them to someone that can help them, whether it's another company or at least a database that offers different companies listed as well. So we at least respond to let them know we received your survey. Unfortunately, you know, we don't have anyone. So everyone receives a response. Well, you have given us uh, an awful lot of advice from how to get your business started working with the Carolina Textile District to not questioning your father, and we very much appreciate <laughs> that. Uh, I share, and I'm, I will pass that on to my children. I'm sure when they that's listen to the podcast, they'll uh, they'll pick that one up. Oh, that's yeah. it. So, well, Tanya gave us some a couple of small businesses that you should check out from from uh, Tucktails to Puri, Purely element, Elemental. It's Puri Elemental, so it's spelled P U E R I. Dash E-L-E-M-E-N-T-A-L dot com. All right. So, so Tanya's given us a couple <laughs> of small businesses of the month to check out. We're going to talk about, uh, Gary and I are going to talk about our small businesses of the month. Gary, what, uh, 
What have you found this well, month? Well, I'm actually okay. excited about what Tanya said because I see Christmas presents going to these two different yeah. ones, one for my girls and one for my grandson, the Bobbin. Welcome. So <laughs> I appreciate that. But, yes, my small business of the month is Shark Wheel, appropriately named because I did see it on Shark Tank last week. Okay. Shark Wheel is a California-based company dedicated to making the most unique, innovative wheels in the marketplace. They focus on skateboards and longboard wheels. The high-performance aspects of their business wheels, and by the way, you were talking about your hands earlier, you have to really see these wheels to believe them because they look like they're all broken. They, they wave in and out. Look, literally, everybody go to YouTube and see it or uh, Google it because it's not a normal wheel. It, it looks like it's broken. But it really, uh, it, it wobbles straight, and uh, it, it, it works really it's well, they like say. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking that, actually. Uh, but the speed and longevity for uh, the skateboard industry is uh, doing very, very well with it. They're getting high marks, and they will see it in roller skates and other type wheel uh, products in the future. Uh, David Patrick discovered the shark wheel in his attempt to uh, solve a scientific principle. Uh, he found that nature chooses al- alternating movements to move the most efficient, kind of like a shark and a fish, uh, and also the way we walk. And so he designed this wheel, like I said, it wobbles straight. So it was really interesting. Uh, and again, uh, you got to see it to believe it. Uh, they're really excited about what they're doing. They've been building prototypes and getting uh, very great tests. And so they actually had a successful Kickstarter campaign to get it to the market. And again, as I said, I uh, saw it on Shark Tank, so you know it's off and running because that's the number one TV show on Friday nights. <laughs> did, did the Sharks... Uh, they did buy it. They bought it? They bit. All right. Yeah. Well, well, good deal. Yes. All right. Well, my small business of the month is a company that is called Tech Shop, T-E-C-H-S-H-O-P, Tech Shop. And uh, they started back in 2006, and they've got now eight locations, uh, which are... 15,000 square foot uh, uh, operations where you can get a membership to go in and they provide uh, equipment, software, tools to help you make your own product. You know, sort of like along the way of the, the Carolina Textile District Manufacturing Solutions Center that we work with. But, but this is you, you can purchase a membership, you go in, they've got fabrication, a prototyping studio, a uh, hackerspace. Uh, each of the places has over a million dollars worth of professional equipment and software, uh, including t- such things as laser cutters, plastics and electronic labs, a machine shop, wood shop, metalworking shop, a textile department, welding stations, and a water jet cutter. They, offer, they also offer comprehensive instruction and expert staff to make sure that people know how to use the equipment. They offer classes on how to use the equipment. So. You know, if you've got a product idea that you want to work on, if you just enjoy creating stuff, you can get a membership, uh, go in and, and, and work with the equipment. They currently have eight locations. Uh, most of them are in California, uh, San Francisco, San Jose. Uh, there is one in Pittsburgh, Chandler, Arizona, Arlington, Virginia. They're, looking, they're doing expansion into Los Angeles and to St. Louis. They'll be coming to us at some point in time. Who knows? But uh, you know, just an interesting company to help entrepreneurs in manufacturing. We're talking about sort of a manufacturing-oriented conversation today. So uh, 
just thought that was an interesting yes. company. Uh, memberships are $150 a month or $1,650 a year. So, you know, not, not cheap, but, you know, depends on, you know. The benefits. Depends yes. on the benefit. Yeah. I mean, I, I know some people that spend a lot more than that playing golf. So it depends on what <laughs> yes, your hobby is, you know. Exactly. So it so, uh, depends what your hobbies are. But if you're interested in finding out more about that, you can go to www.techshop.ws which I'm not always sure what the last one is. It's not a com. It's a WS. Hmm. So you'll figure that one out. But it's www.techshop.ws or Google Tech Shop and you'll find it. Check out our small businesses of the month. Good deal. Well, we appreciate having Tanya with us today. Tanya, you've been a great guest. Thank you very much. Thank you both. uh, I enjoyed it. And uh, we encourage uh, our listeners, if you've got a, an idea for the Small Business of the Month, send it to us at eexchange@themesh.tv, and you'll be eligible for our prize pack. Well, that prize pack is awesome. Well, People I, talk about it all the time. Well, at least, or at least uh, you and me. At least we do. <laughs> so uh, you know, download us at uh, iTunes or at themesh.tv, and uh, uh, we look forward to seeing you guys again next month. Excited about it. Take care. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Mesh an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.